helping families be happy. Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family love and relationships. I am your host, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, a practicing clinical psychologist, wellness advocate, and author based in Sonoma County, California. I've teamed up with Familius Publishing to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. Now I am thrilled to introduce you to today's guest, Dr. David Hanscom, an orthopedic surgeon who will be talking with us about anxiety and breaking the grip of chronic mental and physical pain. Thank you for being with us today, David. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on your show. So I loved your book, by the way, From from Fear to Joy. Is that the way? I'm forgetting the title here. It's joy so, from fear. Joy from fear, right? No, I thought it was a wonderful book because that is the essence of the solution. It's just transforming the anxiety is a huge factor in this whole process that I'm working with. So yeah, I loved it. Thank you, thank you so much. Can you tell me, just to get started, in short, what brought you to where you are today? Well, I was a hard driving medical student resident. I went to a very top spine fellowship and I was very successful and I used my, I use the word adrenaline drive to get me to the talk to be quote successful. At the very peak of my career, I was established, had a nice house, had a great practice. I'd achieved pretty much everything I wanted to achieve. And I was driving across a bridge in Seattle one evening about 10 o'clock after a meeting and I had a panic attack and I'm going, what? What is this? I know I did what anxiety was. I pretty much had suppressed it and buried it. I went from no anxiety to crippling anxiety in five minutes. So I had no idea what anxiety was. I thought I was going to die. My heart started to race. I started to sweat. Um, I felt like I was going to pass out. Of course, I was on the freeway, which is a bit of a problem. So it was an incredible experience. And from that point on, it took another 13 years to actually pull out of that tailspin. It was a disaster. So what happened, I came out of it by a series of events, mostly by trial and error, mostly error, but I eventually figured a way out of my own personal chronic pain. And I started sharing those with my patients in about 2006. And then patient after patient after patient started to improve and actually have their chronic pain resolve. Then it became also clear, the research shows that the mental threat and physical threats are processed in the same part of the brain. And I couldn't figure out how I went from being literally a fearless surgeon to crippling anxiety in one day. And it turns out anxiety has a lot to do with the physiology of the body, where when you're anxious, why your body's full of stress chemicals. And I was a master at suppressing these chemicals to become a high achiever. And when it exploded, it was like the pressure coming off of a pressure cooker. It was really, really intense. So that's how it all evolved, started. I would say I wish I had, had been wiser about it. But it's through a really intense personal struggle that I came out on the other side with these insights. And I really love that you shared such a deeply personal and human experience. Thank you so much for your vulnerability on that. I really appreciate it. So now there's the beginning of a 13-year journey, and the anxiety got worse and worse and worse. Um, I was actually in psychotherapy for 13 years. Um, I had frequent panic attacks. 
I was able to somehow maintain a very excellent surgical practice. Some was able to suppress it during performing surgery, et cetera. So all, all that was functional, but my personal life was a disaster. It ended up costing me a marriage at the end of the day. And so by 1997, I evolved into what's known as an obsessive compulsive disorder, which as you well know, is a very extreme anxiety disorder, which is marked by intrusive thoughts that become almost visual. And they are really disturbing. They're really intense. And as you know, the more you try to fight these things, the worse that they get. So from 1997 to 2003, it was a nightmare to the point where I was very actively suicidal. It was just really horrible. What happened, I did the psychotherapy, which was valuable as far as supporting things. But, you know, from a neuroplasticity standpoint is that as you try to stay focused on the problem, from a neuroplasticity standpoint, your brain changes every second. I was actually reinforcing it. So the psychotherapy provided massive awareness, insights, and support. So I'm very thankful for that. But my nervous system kept staying fired up. And so the anxiety kept getting worse. And what happened, I picked up a book called Feeling Good by David Burns, which is Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And he instructed the readers to start these writing exercises. And it's a great book. Though within two weeks after I started the writing, things started to shift for the first time in 13 years. And I thought it was the book. I didn't realize till later that there's over a thousand research papers that documents the different forms of expressive writing start breaking up these obsessive thought patterns. But what I think the exercise does is simply separate you from your thoughts. And you know, with meditation, why you can visualize your thoughts, separate from them, watch them come in, watch them leave. And that's a very effective tool, except I couldn't do it. I tried it and in the midst of my barrage of obsessive thoughts. I, I couldn't do the meditation. Anyway, long story short, there's over a thousand research papers showing quite dramatic effects on the human body with expressive writing. It improves asthma, rheumatoid arthritis, autoimmune disorders, athletic performance, school performance, depression. I mean, the list is, is really remarkable. And it's a remarkably simple tool. And the research isn't subtle research, it's deep research, well-documented papers, prospective studies, and it was never taught to me in medical school. And I don't know why, because it's such a simple starting intervention. But um, yeah, it was expressive writing that started things to change. Then I started to combine that with what I call, what I call active meditation, where I simply put your brain on a different sensation for a few seconds. The essence of solving pain, whether it's mental or physical pain, is actually feeling safe. And the way you feel safe is you connect to your own capacity to heal, which means you connect to who you are, not who you think your identity is. In other words, a lot of us spend a lot of energy creating an identity that's, that I'm this, this, and this, but it's not actually the essence of who you are. So as you connect to who you are, which includes anxiety, by the way, then you can start moving forward with life on your terms, not necessarily avoiding anxiety. One of my psychology friends pointed out is that you have to feel to heal. And so you have to feel the anxiety. You don't want to suppress it. Then you can reroute your brain in a different direction with the neuroplasticity. And so the essence of, of healing is feeling safe, connecting to your own healing capacity. And what it does is a physiological response where your body chemistry goes from stress chemicals to oxytocin and dopamine and serotonin, which are all great drugs as far as well-being. So it's about learning how to auto-regulate your body's chemistry to drop them down 
and you begin to thrive. So for somebody who's listening, who's thinking, well, I have anxiety and I have these obsessive thoughts and I just can't see, or maybe I have back pain. I can't yeah. see that writing these thoughts down and tearing them up, writing this pain down, possibly they're thinking and tearing up the pieces of paper that say I'm hurting. How is that going to help me? Well, this is the simplest and most difficult part of the whole process. I tell my patients, first of all, you don't have to believe a word I'm saying. This is, this is not about some huge belief system that I'm going to heal and I'm, I'm going to do great. So there's nothing to do with that. And even myself, I have a certain amount of disbelief about these writing exercises. So I would tell you after 15 solid years, within two weeks after I started the writing, the pain began to shift. And I've now watched hundreds and hundreds of patients go through this, but nothing really happens until the writing starts. So I'm going, what? I mean, such a simple intervention, how can I actually break up these circuits? But the people who did the original research out of Harvard in Pennsylvania and Texas have tried different interventions. The one thing that consistently makes a difference is the, the expressive writing. And I asked Dr. Pennybaker, who's on, on my podcast, about, you know, why does this work? He goes, I don't know. But, I mean, we have different theories about it. Again, you can't control your thoughts, but you can separate from them. And that's my personal observation, even though I don't know how to explain that. But again, over a thousand research papers of documents that the expressive writing works. Now, the reason why you're tearing them up is not to analyze them, it's not to fix them. You're just trying to separate. But the hardest part about this chronic pain process is that everybody wants to fix themselves, right? Absolutely. Where's your attention? On generally on the pain and getting rid of the pain. <laughs> right. So that's what I'm the metaphor is like learning a new language. You say, what do I want my life to look like? What do I want in my life? Which includes, by the way, the family. And that's what you pursue. So your brain is now focused on what you want to achieve and what you want to be. And the pain circuits start to atrophy. The, the expressive writing is the starting point. I point out it is the only mandatory part of the whole process. Again, I call it mechanical meditation that somehow the writing or like a mental jackhammer is somehow just breaks up these circuits. So by the way, the prognosis for obsessive compulsive disorder, as you know, is, is pretty dismal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard to get rid of this disorder. I'm fine. I mean, my wife, my, my wife might disagree with me that I'm fine, but <laughs> I, I'm fine. I really am fine. I don't have obsessive thought patterns. The thoughts still come through once in a while, which is always a little disturbing. But and they're still in there. In other words, I'm not. I didn't get rid of these things, but as I directed my brain, and, and when I was in the midst of my worst part of this process, you can't escape your thoughts. I was completely, absolutely visible. So I became what I call an epiphany addict. I was always trying to find that one solution to actually solve my problem. So this comes to the crux of the entire process: is I, I had to let go. I said, I cannot solve this. And inadvertently, the solution was, is that I, is I gave up trying to solve the problem. So what happens is that, remember, the drive to exist is around being safe. So one way to feel safe is to give up the need for control, so your anxiety drops down, or anger protects you, and anger helps you feel safe. My form of anger that was so deadly was being a perfectionist. I was always self-critical. There's a sequence of being angry of a circumstance, blame, victim, and, and then anger. So being a victim is a very powerful role. 
if you're a perfectionist, which is held, held up as a virtue in the medical system, you have a situation that's less than perfect, or you're less than perfect, then you're a victim of that situation or yourself, then you always blame less than perfect, and you're always angry and upset. So it's that adrenaline drive of being a perfectionist that took me right to the top, that took me right down the other side. So I was, quote, successful, but was I really successful? Not really. I ended up with crippling anxiety, lost a marriage, almost lost my own life. That's not successful. But we're somehow held up that this perfectionism negative drive is a way to, quote, success. It is not. So what happens is you can't escape your thought. Your body is full of stress chemicals. Every organ responds in its own way. So I had migraine headaches. I had stomach issues. My feet were burning. My ears were ringing. So what happens, again, this unpleasant adverse chemical environment where you're always on alert actually creates physical symptoms. Thank you so much for this wealth of information, and I am completely behind you. I've read your articles. They are brilliant, so I recommend that our listeners um, do some reading about you and, and listen to some of your podcasts and your work because it is life-changing. It really is for people who suffer, as many people do, from anxiety, stress, uh, phantom and non-phantom physical ailments. This is, this is such brilliant work. Thank you. So I'm not spending hours a day trying to keep myself out of pain. And I think the final thing I'd like to say is I wrote a website post and I coach my clients all the time on this is learning how to fail. I mean, life comes at you. You are going to get anxious and angry and whatever it is. So you'll be doing great for a week or two, no pain. All of a sudden you get triggered. You quote fail. Well, guess what? That's life. So when you look at the failures as a chance to practice your tools and actually as an opportunity, you get another major factor as far as continuing to move forward. Um, do you mind if I tell the story of a girl I just talked to yesterday that just went through this process? Oh, please do. Yeah, she's a, she's a daughter of a friend of mine. She is now 35, and she had crippling anxiety since she was 10. She's been in sort of total body pain for um, since she was 15 years old. She's tried everything, and she started working with me last January, and she started the writing relaxation, the forgiveness, the relaxation tools, and I just talked to her yesterday, and she has taken on a new career. She's writing a book. She has minimal anxiety. She has no pain, but for example, last week, she got triggered. She worked too hard. She ended up with the same pain she had two years ago. Well, historically, she would have catastrophized, been really upset, would have been in pain for weeks, maybe months. And so she was able to come out of that dip, which was a severe dip in about two days, and she's fine. So I told her, look, that's fantastic. Because I was, I was excited, of course, as she came out of her pain and anxiety, but I was even more excited that when she was triggered and went right back into the same hole, that she was able to competently pull herself back out so quickly. So again, this is one of hundreds and hundreds of stories like this. It was a very consistent process. It's very self-directed. They can provide that extra perspective, wisdom, and guidance. It is wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Hanscom, for being with us today. It has been such a pleasure. Dr. Hanscom, can you remind us where listeners can find you? My website is backincontrol.com. The book is, Do You Really Need Spine Surgery? Take Control with a Surgeon's Advice. The other one is Back in Control, um, A Surgeon's Roadmap About a Chronic Pain. And between the book and the website, this is about a 90% self-directed process. 
Thank you so much. And so as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familius Publishing for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. Would be thrilled if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes and social media. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, would be honored if you'd choose a book from Familius Publishing. One step at a time, we can make the world a happier place. Thanks for sharing your time with me, Dr. Carla Maria Manley. It's been a joy and a true pleasure. Be well and shine as only you can do. We talk together, learn together, play, work, eat together. We laugh together.